You're listening to The Final Take. I'm your host, Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. In this episode, we talk our watch lists, trailer pitches, and review The Outfit and The Survivor. While Nelson takes a paternity leave break, joining me for this episode is my good friend, Joseph Benish. Joseph is currently the general manager of the historic Don Hoel's Cabins in Oak Creek Canyon. He has an extensive background in management and theater. He received his bachelor's from ASU in theater and a master's from NYU. He splits his time between Phoenix and Sedona, and he loves the fact that movies and TV can educate us or give us a break from our hectic lives or inspire us, and sometimes all in the same show. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, it's good to be laughing <laughs> uh, late at night on a Thursday yeah. night. Well, we are back and we've been out of it for a while here. So I've, I, I purchased a house and Nelson had a baby and I'm doing... Uh, I'm. Mm-hmm. And I've been crying every <laughs> week since you've been you gone. You are so gracious. So <laughs> gracious. Um, you know, we I, I've been living in an HGTV show for the last couple of months. So I'm glad we're able to get back and I'm actually able to watch something. Just really quick for our tens of fans out there, let's talk a little bit how we know each other. Yeah, that, that goes way back. In fact, it is it is the arts and theater that, that brought us yes. together all the way back at, at the ASU. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that our our uh, our friendship is old enough to drink. Our our friendship is old <laughs> enough to drink. Probably, like as of this year, like this is probably our yeah. drinking year. Our go out and do too many shots and uh, be very proud of our ID year because it was at ASU That's right. that we met. And I hope it's okay if I say this on on air or on recording that I often refer to you when if I'm de- describing you to someone like like my partner like oh we we were one of the the old guy crew at yeah, ASU that's true <laughs> that you know got there at, at a later age for various reasons yes. uh, but thank goodness because you know I think it created a better bond yeah it was interesting because you know there was a lot of people who were very, a lot younger i think we were in our late 20s and everybody else mm-hmm. was 18 19 20 21 and mm-hmm. and we really kind of took charge of a lot of a lot of you more so than me. I mean, you were very involved. I, mm. I worked full time most of the time when I was when I was in college. But uh, you you were the go to guy. Actually, this is how much you were involved. You actually got to speak at graduation. Yeah, yeah, I did get to say a few words there. And it, it had been a late night before that. And so I was just thirsty. I wasn't trying to like do anything or demonstrate any skills, but I, I had a glass of water on the podium. <laughs> And I, I chucked the whole thing just because I, I was thirsty because it was a late graduation night. It was the party bus. <laughs> and, I, and it got a reaction. At, yeah, it was the party bus. But I didn't mean for it to be a thing, but the whole audience, uh, probably because it was ASU, uh-huh. which was at the time still ranked on a couple of top 10 lists, which we should not right. name here. Yeah. So ASU was good to me and I, I enjoyed it. They had, a, had an, I don't know if they still do have a great theater program. They had Marshall Mason yeah. there, Broadway who director. was a mentor to many of yeah. us. Yeah. He started co-founded the circle it was a circle rep yeah right? circle repertory theater off broadway he launched the careers yeah. of like jeff daniels and christopher reeve and kathy bates mm-hmm. you know a lot of uh, uh, kathleen mm-hmm. turner a whole bunch of people who who cut their teeth there in their collaborative environment yeah, yeah. and so he passed on his knowledge to our classes i think we were the last uh, to get his expertise at asu so Definitely, uh, yeah. such a such a special time for us. I think now they have like a film and TV department. They've expanded. Yes, yeah, I know they've grown it now, and and understandably added in yeah. film. But I have to say that you know Marshall Mason is such a natural director, yeah. and I hope. I mean, he's retired now, so I'm not I'm not kissing any <laughs> kissing anybody's um, <laughs> kissing up to anybody because he's retired and stuff. But I mean, just a, a real natural director, easy with people, easy about you know getting people into into their yeah. The roles out of their head, et cetera. And uh, it's just, you know, really great to have worked with such a well, I, Yes, definitely. And I have to share this one story really quick before we, we really get started here. Yeah. You and I were in a production of Romeo and Juliet. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. It was yeah directed by Victoria, Victoria Holloway. Holloway yeah. Just such a, she's such a wonderful person and definitely a mentor to me in many ways. Mm-hmm. And 
she had a very just brilliant production where we actually left the theater and we were outside and they had the big fight between Romeo and Mercutio. And we actually, I, I roll on and I'm essentially just screaming at the entire, the entire, the entire time <laughs> I'm on stage or, or I'm performing. And I, uh-huh. I think you recall, I lost my voice, but there was a scene mm-hmm. after Mercutio's death where you come out and I, I actually just sit and yell at everybody. And then I turn around and I think all the way through rehearsals, I just turned around my back is to the audience and all I'm trying not to do is just grin at you. And, and we, uh-huh. <laughs> I think it took most of rehearsals just to actually get through that without just laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, because being the, the being Montague, it's all, it's all business all the time. Right. And of course that can elicit like the opposite reaction. Yes. That's true. And, and yeah, and mine was the Prince. And so I was essentially just out, Mm -hmm. you know, yelling every time I came on stage. And so it it was, you you just come around, you're carrying that energy and then you just kind of let it go for a second. Then it just, we're just kind of grinning and laughing at each other. So that was, yeah. I, I, I hope your tens of listeners know that if they have not done the theater, you know, at, at any sort of consistency, even, you know, community theater, professional theater, that kind of stuff happens all the time oh, in productions. Yeah. I've never done, never done any film, so I don't, I can't relate to that at all, but where you're either teasing each other, but it really helps keep things, keeps things it fresh. It, it's very unique from. Because it keeps surprises. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you keep those, those, each performance unique on, you know, on stage for each audience, you know, it's definitely a great, you know, and, and the audience can't hear you if you're just mumbling something to somebody, you know, we'd have flat out conversations yeah. with people while we're on stage and we're just, you know, window dressing yeah. at that point. And people always ask, what were you talking about? And I was like, yeah, we were just talking about where we were going <laughs> to go and you know, what happened last night or whatever. So uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's definitely fun to do theater, but, but we're here yes. for film and TV. So yes, tell me. We are. Theater, the foundation the, right, of film that's and right. TV. It all started yes. Uh, you know, on the stage and now, and now we're here for the silver screen, which begs mm-hmm. the question, what are you watching right now? Yeah. I, I've not been watching as much as I, I normally would, because as you mentioned in my bio, I've been back and forth between Phoenix and Sedona, but I, I did do the first season or the only season out of severance mm-hmm. that's on Apple TV and really good. It's interesting because anybody that knows me and maybe it comes across, I'm, I'm like a super easy going, pretty happy guy. Yeah. But I, I like a lot of dark shows like Severance <laughs> and you know, the, the premise is that – and I think it's set in contemporary times because there's regular cell phones that you work at a company. You can sever your memory in such that when you go into, the, into your work, all, you lose all memory of who you are in the outside world. And then, and you're still you, but you don't have a memory of it. So almost like if you, if you have amnesia and you wake up in your workplace and you do your work and then when you leave work, you go home, you step out of the building and then it reverses. You're back to you. You have all your memories, but you have no idea what you just did for the last eight hours. So would that be a, uh, a play uh, on office space where the hypnotist, I guess, to mm-hmm. knock him out for the time he was at work? Yeah. And that was definitely, this took it to the nth degree in a, in a darker way. And he didn't, and and he doesn't get to meet Jennifer Aniston in severance either, (laughs) but good show, you know, very cerebral, uh, great, great cinematography, you know, lots of sort of dark angles and such. And cool. I was almost, um, it's good that it's an Apple show because like the design element feels very sort of Apple, like Um, very, very high design. Yeah. It's on my list. I I definitely want it watch that. I think that came out while I, yeah. while I was right in the process of closing in my house. And so, yeah, I just watched yeah. nothing. And swinging sledgehammers. Did you get to swing any sledgehammers in your whole uh, house? I dropped some scaffolding into right. drywall and had to patch that up. <laughs> yeah, that oh. was good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. You got to do some of that. And then I'm watching Better Call Saul, although it's been so long since I watched mm-hmm. the other stuff. I went back and I'm watching season five again. So I can refresh because sure. I've actually forgotten mm-hmm. some of what happened before I get on to the current season, season okay. six. And that's one of those shows you watch it and you're like, why am I watching this? Like he's kind of terrible sometimes, but he's also interesting. 
Why do people watch the show that I'm watching right I now? I know, and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit I've never watched Breaking Bad. I what? know, and that's the response I usually get. You better not record that. You're going to have to like delete this podcast it's, now. It's one like. of those things that's been – well, to be fair, I had a, my first kid when it came out, so I was really busy with it. So everything uh, kind of – everything I've never watched aligns with something. That's mm. that's one of those things, and I, and I could have caught up on it, but I, I just I just didn't. I never watched it. So yeah. I I have to go back and watch it. That's going to be one of my, one of the things that I have to do on my list. Yeah. After your kids are grown and out of the house yeah. and you're an empty nester, you can go back and watch Better That's Call right. Saul. I mean, uh, Breaking That's Bad. Right. I, I do know that that was the first series I ever mm-hmm. binged. And I, I know that because I watched almost the entire season when mm-hmm. it was on Netflix I think maybe I, I got, if there was maybe eight episodes, I'm guessing here, I got through like six or seven of them, like all night. I went to work the next day, like shredded, like <laughs> <laughs> no sleep. And then I was like, oh my God, that, that show like makes you feel like you're on, you know, crack or something or yeah. <laughs> cause you just want to watch it back I to know. back. Yeah. I did that with Game of Thrones and I was, I was pretty shredded and, mm. and it was, it was yeah. really rough too. I was drinking all the coffee at work back in the day when we used to go to the workplace. So yeah, when we when it went into work, but the third one I'm watching on a lighter note is Moon Knight. Nice. So I, I have not watched yeah. it. That's it's on my list. This is like the oh, first Marvel show or film that I haven't rushed right out to watch. I'm trying to get my wife on board to watch it so that way we can actually watch it together and then catch up. Yeah. Does it tie into anything without giving any spoilers away? Not as of yet. I've, I've only I'm only like three episodes oh, okay. in. Oh, well, because they they release them like once a week. I think I I think I'm a couple episodes behind. Oh, yeah, I think the fifth episode came out today. Yeah. Okay. But I have not seen it tie into anything yet. Okay. We'll so. we'll see. Uh, for what about me, you? Uh, yeah. I have actually only within the last week have I actually started watching anything on my list of things that that my wife and I watch together is the Kingsman. So they released that prequel, mm-hmm. the King's Man, with Ray Fiennes. Which was actually okay. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it was a little over two hours long. I mean, it was it was a little long for my taste. I mean, and and don't get me wrong, I, I've I've criticized long movies before, but only when it's unnecessarily long. So we have a film like Zack Snyder's Justice League or Avengers Endgame that are excruciatingly long. They're worth it. They're worth the watch, and I love them both. But. Mm-hmm. When a movie runs a little bit too long because the action doesn't serve anything, it, yeah. they, you could cut a good 20 minutes out of it and it would be a much better film. So it's just mm-hmm. complete action porn. But the one thing I was very excited to start was Barry season three, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite shows. Uh, the the assassin who started taking acting lessons. Yeah, I want to watch that now yeah. that you mentioned it. It sounds I, fascinating. It's hilarious. It is so, so funny. And I'm excited to get started on this. Uh, I mean, it's a really it's a really quick watch. And I, I think I binged the first two seasons. And then I turned around and watched it again with my wife. And we are ready to watch season three. Actually, I watched season three. I started it without her, but I'm going to watch it again. I know. <gasps> she did Does she not. know this? Are you going to have to do one of your... What did you and Nelson talk about when you... Like faking it? Like, oh, oh yeah, that's faking really, the, I, Oh, yeah. wow. That's so funny, you know. <laughs> oh, speaking of Nelson, and because I, I am one of your tens of <laughs> listeners, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, well, oh, we'll talk about that when we get into trailers. I, you, you all have talked about your rating system, which of course we'll talk about later. You know, the yes. um, watch, stream, or skip. But one of the, your shows, you talked about Matthew McConaughey, and all right, all right, all right. And I thought if you ever start a second movie and TV podcast. That could be your rating system. Is it one all right, two all rights, or three all rights? You know, <laughs> for the coup de gras. Let me prepare for this one. I think it's just an all right. Yeah, it's just an all right. Mm-hmm. Or if it was amazing, it would be what? It would be all right, all right, all right. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. So yeah, you're welcome to use that. No copyright. Right. It's it's free. It's out there. But if it if it was if it was yeah. just mind blowingly awesome. I think we take our shirts off and say, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> mm, yes. We can definitely do that for your podcast. <laughs> In another time. That when we get a network of podcasts going on, we'll we'll do that. So Absolutely. Yeah. Once there's the spin-offs and everything, like Yeah, definitely. So trailer pitches. Usually Nelson's yeah. here to throw down a This is one of my favorite parts. Is it? Oh, 
that's cool because we, we oh, yeah. really brainstormed this one. Well, so while while he's away, he usually gives his little pitch, and so we came up with some pitches of our own and a, and a brief list of some trailer pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start off with the staircase from HBO Max, which is about ready to come out. And go ahead with yours. Mm-hmm. We both have one on this. So staircase. You know, uh, everybody loves, you know, true crime, yeah. of course. And, you know, this is definitely a, a dramatized version of true crime. It uh, looks really intense, uh, starring uh, Colin Firth, who we uh, will talk about a couple of times. I don't know if you noticed, there's three Colin Firth references in our show today. And oh, yeah. yeah, so it's drama. So, but I really wanted to say, because one of your episodes, you talked about how things are, what, limited series now, not mini series. Right. But on IMDb, this is listed as a mini series. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the thing is, they with the awards and all that other kind of nonsense, they still call it a mini series. But yet now they're just kind of trying to tag those. Is it marketing or what? It's a limited series. It's yeah, got to be a marketing, it has to be a marketing yeah. thing. But yeah, it's of course the staircase. I, I watched the trailer for this, and this is what I thought of: was like everyone loves true crime. Let's dramatize it. And then another thing that I thought of was mm-hmm. was interesting. Let's bring in a bunch of people from Europe and Australia and just have them play Americans. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. No, it looked good. Yeah. Uh, it looked intense. It is oh, a series. Yeah. It looks heavy, heavy uh, drama. Yeah, yeah, and based on you know true events. That's right. That's right. So, all right. Yeah. The next one we've got the Time Traveler's Wife on HBO Max. It's a series that's coming out. I don't know if this is a limited series or it's going to be ongoing thing, but I would say the pitch for this would be the movie was good. It was just like the book, but let's make it longer. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think that's an apt description based on what I saw. I did not read the book. I'm sorry to say. I know I know it was a very well-received book. So yeah, uh, the trailer looks good, and uh, it looks like a longer version of the other movie, was, which was what, Eric Banner? Eric Banner, yeah, and Rachel McAdams. From what I understand, the, the – the film actually hit all the major plot points of the book. So I'm kind of interesting to see mm-hmm. what they're going to do with this one. Me too. All right. Well, why don't you grab this next one? Next, uh, Flux. Yeah, Flux Gourmet. Uh, this is definitely an indie film, kind of an art house film, which you know, this is something I don't know if you run into having a theater background as well. I know a lot of people expect – theater people to either know or have watched all the indie films and I've watched a lot of them and it, every time I watch an indie film, I, I like it, but I feel like I don't watch enough to like own my theater yeah. credentials because people just think that that's all right. you watch. But you know, theater people are allowed to, to like Marvel movies yes, too. Yes, that is definitely true. Sorry, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. So this is one I'm sure there's going to be kind of a sleeper hit because it's an art movie about sounds and people and food. And it's one of those ones I bet people will watch and thinking they're not going to like it and probably like love it. Yeah. It, it reminded me of some of that avant-garde theater that you see in New York in the eighties, just mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And a lot of performance. Yeah. So a lot of avant-garde theater, you know, it's, is performance are the other kind of interchangeable right. where something's happening and you may not know what it is, but it might still be interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe that's, um, what was it? Mulholland drive. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really follow it through, was more so just a giant piece of amazing eye candy as a movie, you know, just wonderful to watch. And, you know, not, I mean, it didn't have a typical like Hollywood, you know, through line, right. like Ark and Dana Mont and pers- good, bad person becomes good or anything. It was just an amazing visual, visually pleasing. Piece and sometimes of art. that's all we need. That's, that's all right. we need. All right. Next all right. one Operation Mincemeat. And originally I thought this was a comedy. And I think it, maybe a little bit of a comedy. However, mm-hmm. the pitch for this would be there are not enough British World War II spy thrillers. Let's do another one. And who is this starring? <laughs> it is starring Colin Firth, our second Colin Firth related show that we're talking about tonight. That's right. Uh, that This one looks really good. This is yeah. where they dump a body in the ocean and uh, mm-hmm. with some intelligence. Mm-hmm. This is coming out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited yeah. about this. I could have almost seen Quentin Tarantino directing this one, you know, because uh, he did so well on. Um, oh, why is that? Why am I? He did so well on that movie. Glorious World Bastards. War II. <laughs> Thank you. 
I could have almost seen him directing this one because of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Like, do this, do it again. But they would remove a plot. They'd remove the whole plot. Yes, <laughs> they would. They would. Yeah. All right. Can I take yeah, this next one? Yeah. I mean, I, I really want to take this one because, I mean, this is just so my generation. And this is another, this is one of the few shows that my partner and I have watched together. Karen and mm-hmm. I watched together. Uh, some of, but we both love because it has everything that 80s kids love and need back in their life from the music and the outfits and the big hair and the peg jeans and the malls, Stranger Things season four. For me, it always continues to surprise me. When I saw the second season of Stranger Things come out, I thought, what are they going to do more? Because it seemed like that first season was just like a long movie. Like you said, a way to, how did you phrase it in one show? Just a movie, but longer or episodic. Oh yeah. Just, uh, it, it could have, I think it was Eternals that we were talking about where it, it could have been a, a TV show, but it was a really long movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But this is just the opposite. Yeah. This is the opposite. So, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have this back because the uh, main character, she's, uh, she's so great. And the references, you know, help ground it in, in my reality and many of our Gen X realities. What, what are you thinking? What's the pitch for Stranger Things for? Let's finally gain some of those losses back for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had their first quarter loss ever. They, yeah, they lost big, and they're yeah, anticipated the to lose a couple million. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, Netflix yeah. was. Yeah, did you hear that they? Okay. Yeah, they lost more subscribers in the first quarter than they gained for the first time in yeah. their history. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, the yeah. party can't go on forever, you know. But yeah, I'm excited about Stranger Things four, and I have to say. There is no one else doing the eighties better than stranger things. And I, and and it has to be because they're subtle about it. This is just life. Mm -hmm. Whereas you see a lot Mm -hmm. of things and, and we watch something. I even stopped watching it. I can't even remember what it was, but uh, my wife was saying that it was just so in your face about the eighties that it was just Mm -hmm. everything. They were just milking every little moment of the eighties. As opposed to just, we have Sam Goody and we have, um, you know, Suncoast Motion Picture Company and, and all these all these little mall places. And this is how we dress with our big tube socks and the stripes on them and bowl mm-hmm. cuts and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just the setting. And it doesn't, it's not overdone. Nobody's talking yeah. about 80s stuff. It's just subtle. Yeah. I think as much as I enjoyed the movie, I think Captain Marvel did that. Because there was a ton of 80s references in there where they called it out, like the blockbuster and stuff. Stranger Things, it just happens to be the environment they're set in and they do it really well. Kind of the way I think Mad Men was done really well. And and you know, know, I would say Wonder Woman 84, they went a little too in your mm -hmm. face when it came to the 80s references. And I, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that was that was like I was just talking to somebody about the DC films that that have come out. And and that was one of the things, one of the reasons, not only the fact that the film was a little bit too long, but the the eighties references, you had to have like your little eighties fashion show with Chris Pine and, and all that stuff. And it was just completely unnecessary. And I think it really mm-hmm. detracted from what the movie could have been as opposed to what it ended up being. When when you do it right, when it's you're subtle about it, I, I think that's when it works best. So Yeah. All right, last one. Why don't you go ahead and take that one? So Thor, Love and Thunder has two taglines. It is um, capitalizing on the bromance between Chris Hemsworth and Chris, why am I blanking on his name? (laughs) Pratt. So uh, a bromance that a lot of bros also have a bromance for. And uh, bringing, um, where's the ladies? So given Natalie Portman. Uh, her her time as as Thor. Oh yeah. So the bromance and bringing the ladies back. There you go. That would be my two taglines for it. I, what about you? I, I would say we're back for more Thor films that don't suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the first two mm-hmm. really weren't that great. I mean, I, there's yeah. a format to what they want, what they have to do. According to uh, it's already out there. According yeah, to the mouse. According to the mm-hmm. mouse, essentially, and Kevin Feige. I think they kind of just let. Taika Waititi do what he wanted. Yes, because he did Guardians of the Galaxy, right? No, he did. Um, he did the last Thor. Oh Ragnarok. no, I'm thinking of that. The James last Gunn. Thor. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. So Ragnarok was was great. Yeah. yeah, and so he's back for a second one, and it looks amazing. I can't wait. Agreed. All right, Agreed. 
Well, take my money, please. Yes, yeah. I know. Just rip rip my testicles out through my wallet. You <laughs> fun Marvel series films. All right. All right. Well, well let's. It's <laughs> quite the image. Yeah, I know. I know. So, all right. So let's let's get into our uh, reviews here. We reviewed a couple of movies. We got a lot of we got a lot of fun fun things out of the way, but we're, we're going to look at two, two films that are a little more on the dramatic end of things. The first film we review is the outfit. Mm-hmm. It's written by Jonathan McLean and Graham Moore, who also directed the film. It stars Mark Rylance, Zoe Deutsch, Dylan O'Brien, and Johnny Flynn. The outfit follows an English tailor known professionally as a cutter who must outwit a dangerous group of Chicago mobsters in order to survive the night. The outfit is available everywhere for purchase and rental. And in our, I, I also want to say, do you know what our third Colin Firth reference is? It may or may not be related to this movie. And do you know why I am mentioning that? Uh, maybe because of the Kingsman. Colin Firth yes. was in the Kingsman. Yes, the Kingsman. Which was the Taylors. Mm-hmm. But we, we learn Cutter yes. because there, there's a reference uh-huh. in the film. Uh, the Cutter being, yep. um, uh, you know, a tailor is someone who just hems pants, whereas a cutter is someone who makes items of clothing. So, yes. Well, Joseph. And the, and the suit make it the man or the manners. Yeah, that's right. Well, what were your first impressions of this? Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And I was, I was almost trying to figure out why, because, you know, it, it was a slower moving movie. It's a little bit, a little bit character driven. And I remember seeing the trailer for it sometime back and thinking, oh, it's kind of interesting premise, you mm-hmm. know, a, a kind of mild mannered tailor up against the mob. And so a couple of things that I liked about it, it was great, great writing and actors who really handled the, the dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Relance, so good. Uh, and he's a classic stage actor. I think we're talking about yeah. the stage a lot, you know, so far on this episode. So first impressions, um, good writing good ban- actors handling the the banter and a couple really lovely twists in the movie. Definitely. That was definitely, I have to say my first impressions of it is that you really don't need th- this could, could very much be an action film, but with dialogue mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you don't need physical action to really have just that, that level of tension. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that was yeah. all throughout this film. There wasn't yeah. a, a moment in it that didn't that didn't lag. Agreed. So, Agreed. all right. Well, what? Uh, it, it, well, also let me let me also add that this was very much like a stage play because it was a one yeah. set. It was one location, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we often mm-hmm. see when when you're looking when you're watching stage plays. It, it just worked very well, and I could honestly see this being eventually being you know the transformed into a play or performed as a play yeah it, it would work very yeah. well so well what 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 worked best for you on this yeah so i talked about the actors oh before i talk about mark rylance uh-huh. and just the acting i do want to say that as i was watching and thinking about what you just said i was like i know i learned this in school you know at asu we talked about and i had to look it up and it was aristotle and he called it the unity so aristotle talked about us what the outfit is as being kind of the ideal form mm-hmm. of drama. It's action happening in a single place in the same day with the same the same action, the the same plot essentially. So the same plot, the same place, and the same day. And he called that the unity. So I was really glad to watch this because like, oh my god, I know what this is. I, I learned this a couple of decades ago. So it, it's really a, an example of just good writing. I think that good dramatists, good writers, yeah. they're doesn't matter if it only takes place over a couple of hours. Like you said, it doesn't have to be an action movie to capture your attention. Yes. So that worked, you know, the the setting, the writing, but the the relationship between uh, between the characters, uh, Mark Rylance, again, a, a huge stage actor, I think he's won like all of the stage awards <laughs> uh, or most of them. He was also the first artistic director of the Shakespeare's Globe in London. I didn't, you know, the, yeah, I didn't the revived know that. one that opened in like the 90s. Yeah. And so, yeah, the banter, the dialogue, I mean, just probably those two things, the, the, the actors and the dialogue just totally worked. Oh, also the, the setting, because it was one place, I know this is easier to do, whether it's film mm-hmm. or stage, if you're not moving around changing sets, I did feel a little bit like I was able to almost start to, I don't know, smell the room or 
feel the fabrics. Like there was so much attention yeah. to detail. It, you kind of feel like you're yeah, in definitely. the room. So that, that, yeah, that there was, there's been me. very few films where I could really just kind of get into it to the extent to where you feel like you're just standing there watching this unfold in front of you in person. And this, mm-hmm. this, that was definitely a feeling that I got where I just felt like I was there just because of how mm-hmm. it was, how small yet how large it was at the same time, you know, it, yeah. and, and it, and that, and that would say that was, that was the one thing that really worked for me is because they really just honed in on those performances. They honed in on working off of each other, is which which was good. Kind of a, a Meisner technique of acting, which is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know you're familiar with that, where where you're not really you're not necessarily conjuring up painful memories or or anything that has happened to you in your past, but you're really just working off the other actors, and that was really mm-hmm. and Mark Rylance. I mean. It, if there's anything that Mark Rylance is in, I mean, we're just spies, you know, anything that if, if, if we're talking about any type of film and you, and I say what worked in it, Mark Rylance, a hundred, hundred percent Mark Rylance. He, he carried the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, what was the one he was in uh, ready player one? Such yeah. a, he's just such a huge presence. You know, he's so, he's so yeah. calm and subtle, but yet his, his performance is so capturing. Agreed. Yeah, just one of those people that's it's easy to watch. And I remember thinking of another – I was on Reddit or something and mm-hmm. there was a dialogue going on about like who the best actors are. Is it, is it Gary Oldman? Is it Tom Hanks? And there are just so many good actors and, and I want to use that in a gendered neutral term, actors and actresses out there. There's so many good ones and he's definitely one of them. So it's interesting that you mentioned yep. Aristotle's poetics because it, it is the blueprint for how good drama is made. And if you go back to anyone who writes just perfect storylines or anything like that, uh, I'm a big fan of Aaron Sorkin or people who, who really know the poetics. If, if As long as they know the poetics, they can't go wrong with writing a very solid story, a very solid drama. Yeah. And, and you can really tell that, that this kind of lies within that. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think you've maybe alluded to this in other uh, episodes that it's all you need. As long as that core is strong and that people have a connection, then you're all right. Then it's not going to matter if it's an Mm -hmm. indie film or a Marvel film, you know, if there's a solid story there told well and solid people with chemistry telling that story, then you're done. It doesn't matter if it, if if the film costs, you know, $10 to make or a hundred million dollars. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Anything uh, didn't work for you? So, this might sound weird because I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. The ending sort of didn't work for really? me. Really? And I, I'm going to be careful not not to give any spoilers away because – so there was almost two endings. Like there was almost – for me, like there could have been like a, a DVD, like um, alternate ending yeah. because I really like the notion of the pen is mightier yeah. than the sword – you know, which I think is a Shakespeare quote or, or you know, line in one of his plays. Yes. If I if yes. I remember correctly. But then, you know, it, it kept going and I still liked it. Mm-hmm. So I liked the ending. Yeah. There was almost, yeah. So I don't want to say too much. You know, I... I so I still liked the ending, but at first I didn't and then I did. <laughs> I would kind of, I, I never really thought of it that way because it, it, it does look like there were two different endings. If he would have just walked right out of there, it would have been very mm-hmm. satisfying, but there was a twist that happened and um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers because it's too good of a film to give away spoilers, even though it's out there and you can rent it and whatever. It, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you still like it, but would you, if it was just the other way, would you have liked it more? So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I really, I, there was nothing that I really didn't like about it. It could just, it had just that level of tension. It was just captivating, you know, and it was a really great, I call it a talkie because it's when you can really get through a film just with all dialogue and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear you say talkie because I feel like that's in the, in the realm of movies or TV, maybe often used as almost kind of a negative. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, I almost react like, oh, don't, don't call it a talkie. People yeah, won't watch right. it. But I mean, you're right. You know, it's very dialogue, you know, character based, but right. so so watchable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So 
let's review our uh, rating system, as you had mentioned before. So in, at the final take, it's a, a, a watch. You got to go out and get it right away. A stream, you get around to it and watch it on any streaming streaming platform. Or a skip, if you didn't like it, skip it. So what was your final take? This is a solid watch for me. Solid watch. Or an all right, all right, all right. <laughs> If, of know. course. Yeah, I, <laughs> I 100% plug that concur. again. <laughs> I, I definitely 100% concur with you on that. This is definitely, I, I, I don't think there's anything that Mark Rylance does that is ever going to be a, a streamer skit because anything that mm-hmm. he, he's in is actually going to be an absolute solid watch just because he's so committed yeah. to his craft. If, if anybody yeah. hasn't had a chance, uh, he, won a, he won a Tony Award. There's this play called Jerusalem. He originated when he in, hmm. in London, and it came over to uh, Broadway, and he won the Tony Award. And if anybody gets a chance to check it out his acceptance speech on YouTube, it is probably the best acceptance speech I've ever seen in my entire life. Nice. Uh, we'll check it out. All right. Moving on. Nice. All right. This is our main topic. We're going to discuss the film The Survivor, which is streaming exclusively on HBO Max. The film was written by Justine Jewel Gilmer, directed by Barry Levinson, and stars Ben Foster, Peter Sarsgaard, John Leguizamo, and Danny DeVito. Yeah, The Survivor is based on the true story of Harry Haft, who, after being sent to Auschwitz, survives not only the unspeakable horrors of the camp, but the gladiatorial boxing spectacle he's forced to perform with his fellow prisoners for the amusement of his captors, unbeknownst to those who try to destroy him, half's will to survive is driven by his quest to reunite with the woman he loves. Very nice. And really quick, yeah. uh, it was Holocaust Remembrance Day, so this was released in conjunction with that. Yeah, on the same day, April, um, was it 22nd or 27th? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. Released, uh, as you said, on the on the same day, right on the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Yeah, yeah. so definitely a, a, a good watch for for anyone who wants to jump in on something new. All right, well, yeah. first impressions. What do you got? First, first impressions. You know, great, great movie, uh, very well done. Which you know, you want to see any movie with this kind of gravitas done well. There's a lot of things in history we need to remember. You know, the Holocaust, enslavement, you know, people, 9-11, like we've got to remember all these things. And I'm not comparing them. I'm saying there's a lot of things in our history we need to remember. So, and I thought the movie was well done, which is, again, nice to see when you're talking about a, a topic like this. The, well, I'll say, I'll say that kind of for what worked. Uh, and I also, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a love story. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, first impressions that that was a big part of it yeah. is... Uh, just a lovely way to tell a story. Well, what about you, sir? First impressions? I was just captivated with Ben Foster's performance. I could not believe that was mm-hmm. him. He he mm-hmm. just was just left it all on the table in this performance. I mean, this is the best I've ever seen of him. I mean, I've seen him some yeah. crazy stuff, but yeah. just as a performance, he he really knocked it out of the park and such mm-hmm. a great job. And it's and it's really great to see. Yeah. I, I I like anything of any type of historical significance. So this is, this is right up my alley. So it was, it was definitely a, something great to, to be a, feel a part of watching this film. Yeah. 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 And he was inducted. Well, I guess we'll talk about that. later. Well, yeah, I'll jump in there with that. So I actually looked it up afterwards and he was inducted into the Jewish sports hall of fame, right? which is interesting, you know, after watching the movie and I'm sure there's a lot of people that know his story and I didn't before this, I'm sorry to say, but I'm glad I know it now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a great, you know, again, you talked about a true crime earlier, but a true story that needs to be, needs to be told. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it's good to, to, to see these stories. I, I didn't know until I saw the credits at the end that his son had actually written a book about his dad's life. And then mm-hmm. it was also turned into a graphic novel, which ended up becoming mm-hmm. very popular. Yeah. Especially in Germany. Yeah. That's something else we might have to check yeah. out. Yeah. And, and they're for sale on Amazon in case anybody wants to check those out. So, but uh, what yeah. worked for you? Man, so much, <laughs> so much worked. Again, there, you know, there's relationships. So actually the, right in the middle of the movie, there's a scene when he and Danny DeVito and a couple of the guys are all sitting around a table together right before he trains for just like two days before fighting Rocky Marciano. Mm-hmm. I loved that scene. That stood out for me. 
because they were actually all talking about the different ways that they had been treated differently. Mm-hmm. And so there was this wonderful, not, and it wasn't like, um, you know, hit, hit, hit you over the head, but a moment of unity, you know, when you see all these um, different people sitting around the table. Uh, so that was really sweet, you know, just, you know, breaking bread together. And one of the guys at the table talks about the Buffalo soldiers, which piqued my interest because there is a, I don't know, I don't want to call them the wrong thing, like a group or um, an organization of Buffalo soldiers or in remembrance of Buffalo soldiers in Phoenix mm-hmm. where we live. And I know that because they have had some displays up at the Carver Museum there in uh, downtown Phoenix mm-hmm. in the warehouse district. Yeah. So there's Buffalo soldier history in Phoenix, yeah. you know, people that live there and their their kids and their grandkids are still around. Nice. So that was that was kind of cool. I love the structure of the film. I, I enjoy that kind of like telling a story with flashbacks as long as they're they're well done and well timed. So in terms of just the movie making, yeah. I, I thought it was well done. That totally worked for me. Uh, another sort of actor moment, I've touched on this a couple of times where, you know, great actors are not, I don't want to compare this actor to, to any others, but the German lieutenant, you know, somebody obviously easy to hate and should be right. hated, but he was the same actor who was in the big short. Did, do you yeah. remember the big short? Do you remember the two realtors, the kind of slimy oh. realtors? He, oh, he was one of those and guys. One of them was like, yeah. And he was like, he was the one that owns a boat or something. Yeah, Cause I remember one was um, Max Greenfield who was, yeah. A new yes. girl and the other guy just, uh-huh. oh, so this wow. was the other guy. I had no idea. Yeah. So again, like hard to recognize and you know, obviously two smaller roles, but you know, an, a moment of an actor like playing very, very different roles. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And well, when you when you actually have a role where you the audience really hates you, I mean, you're really doing it right. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of actors maybe I don't think I wonder if a lot of actors struggle with that. My kind of go to example for that is Captain America, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. So he first played uh, the Torch, Johnny Storm, and the greatest comic books ever written was, you know, the, the Fantastic Four. But when he played Johnny Storm, he played, you know, kind of, I want to say like a jerk, you know, he was easily to not like. Right. Yeah. And you think that's who that person is. And, but he, do, he was just playing the part really right. well. And then he plays Captain America, and it's like, oh my God, like best. <laughs> contrast you know, um character actor matchup ever yeah that's true in contrast to who johnny storm was that's true so hopefully that's true for him and then the other thing that really worked was there was just a lot of really well done intimate moments and i'm just not talking about intimacy between like between romantic mm-hmm. partners but it they, they really slowed it down for some intimate moments and that that worked for me and Obviously, feels important to a yeah, story and, like this. And I, I'm I'm right on board with you there for what worked for me. It was was there was a lot of little moments that were very big. They were subtle, but they were very big. You know, um, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. what was interesting is is him telling a story uh, to the reporter, and yeah, he he didn't want to tell the story. Nobody wanted him to tell the story, but he there was, there was only one motivation for him to tell the story, which was to try to become famous. So his, the woman that he loves will see that he's out there somewhere. And mm-hmm. it was just, okay, well, let's just get this over with and I'll tell you the story. So my name's out there, you know, and it was just, it was so underplayed, but so big at the same time, you know, it, it was just yeah. one of those moments and, and all those little moments that he had, like with his brother, little moments that he had with Miriam, uh, just there, they were just so, so large. I mean, it, that was, it wasn't anything that really yeah. just kind of popped throughout the entire film, but it just like you watch the film and you're just like, wow, there was, there was a lot of wow factor throughout the film. In, in these little yes. moments and you, you yeah. just things you don't think of on a daily basis, especially when they're flashing back to the concentration camp scenes. But I, mm-hmm. I, I have to also agree with you with the, the structure of the film. It was, it really felt like three films, three stories. Mm. You know, you have his, yeah. you have his backstory yeah. of being in the concentration camp. You have his boxing story and then you have the mm-hmm. post boxing story, which, which is, yeah. is essentially his, his, his life after that. So, they really intertwine that very well, you know, to kind of, to connect those all together. And I thought that that was a very, 
that was very well done because I mean the boxing all the boxing stuff was really done by by the middle of the film. Uh, middle, yeah, like halfway yeah, through. Yeah, no, I started yeah. buffering, and all of a sudden I was yeah. like, "Oh, there's another hour left." And yeah, and it you know not that it felt like it was too long of a film or anything like that, but it was it it was surprising just because it was just another chapter. And mm-hmm. yeah, it confused me because I looked yeah. at the at the where the dot was on the line. I'm like, oh, we're we're only halfway through, right? <laughs> and it felt like in another movie, that's where it's kind of wrapping up. Yeah. yeah, but they continued the boxing in the concentration camps throughout the film to kind of get his yeah. to really underscore the his life and who he is as a person throughout the film and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his motivations and those kinds of things, and so. It, it was very, just really well put together, perfectly pieced together. So that was, mm-hmm. that was definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's hard, hard to do in any movie. And especially with a movie like, like this topic. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, anything so that didn't work for you? You know, it, it's, it's hard to criticize a, a film of this importance, you know, especially with, you know, it's actual history, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you that actually some of the flashback ones, maybe especially earlier that between the black and white, which I understand the very common use in flashbacks, mm-hmm. They felt almost like a noir genre, mm-hmm. like the the pace kind of slowed down sometimes. Yeah, and this so this is just purely an artistic choice. Did not work that well. I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, yeah. but it just it took me out of it a little bit to see it maybe so stylized. Yeah, kind of like and Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. trying to be Schindler's mm-hmm. List with those black and white scenes. Whereas mm-hmm. if you were gonna do some Steven Spielberg in a flashback, why not do Saving mm-hmm. Private Ryan where he, they made the film look appear like the old pictures of the day? Yes. Why yes. not just, you know, because yeah. I, I thought it really had some great cinematography in the mm-hmm. modern mm-hmm. day scenes in, in America. Uh, well, I mean, modern mm-hmm. day at the time that looked old, but I mean, they could have done it a little bit better. I, I just, I thought it was a little too far to go black and white and, and going in and out of German and, and uh, the Yiddish was fine, but, but going in and out of German and English mm-hmm. that, that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. They should have just either committed to one mm-hmm. or, and, and done, done subtitles or just all went English, you know, go, going back and forth yeah. really didn't, yeah. that, that was the only thing that I, I don't mind reading a movie, not at all, but right. yeah, right. just commit to one or the other. Yep. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so those made it. Those kind of broke it up a little bit. Even though the story was yeah. still moving along and it was all good, that that actually took me out of the sort of suspension of disbelief for a little bit. It was just like, eh. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree with that. So, yeah. all right. Well, what is your final take on this? So I'm gonna go. Everybody must stream this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like so I don't know how you say a solid stream, but I would you know stream it. Yeah. And I would I would watch it again because. Mm-hmm. I have to say I was watching a little bit, you know, with this, you know, recording with you in mind. So I might watch it again just to try to let myself immerse a bit more and not be kind of, you know, meta thinking about it yeah, as much. Uh, but I, it's, again, it's, it's a part of history, a part of world history yeah. that everybody needs to know. Yeah. I agree so, with that. Solid stream. Yeah. I, my, I would be a stream on that as well. I mean, it's not something you need to rush right out and watch, but it, it's something that everybody, mm-hmm. anything with any type of hi- historical significance, if you're interested and you really like it, watch it and check out the story, the, the, how, how things were, were, you know, when you look at a, a, a based on a true story and they actually said, the beginning based on the memories of Henry Haft or was Harry Haft? Harry, Harry Haft, Haft. Yeah. I don't know why I'm calling Haft, him Henry yeah. based on the memories because you look at based on a true story, there may be one thing about a film that's the driving force of a <laughs> film that may be a true, the true part and everything uh-huh. else is really filler to, to push that forward. And, and so mm-hmm. you're talking maybe 30% mm-hmm. of a film is actually a true story and everything else didn't happen. Yeah. Or, maybe. Or, Argo is a good example where I think it was the Alan Arkin character was really kind of an amalgam mm-hmm. of all the different film producers that, that participated in, in this mm. situation as opposed to having to deal with all these different, you know, cast all these different people to be film producers. You just bring them all as one character, bring them in. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, 
um, I, de- I would say definitely a solid stream and, and definitely one if you're interested yeah. in World War II. Yes. De- you know, don't let this World War II history die. Is, and, and I'm a huge fan of World War II history, so definitely. Mm-hmm. You are. Yeah. You are. I'm still waiting to watch shows you recommended, yeah. Band of Brothers and stuff. Definitely. So. Well, because that was such a heavy movie, I'm glad that you always have a haiku review at the end of your episodes because I can't wait to listen to a haiku review in the moment. So do we get a haiku review? Uh, I think we do. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. right. (laughs) Harry Haft boxes. Love is what kept him alive. Refrigerator. Hmm. I don't have anything for the last line. (laughs) (laughs) Miriam (laughs) was great. (laughs) So, yeah. Miriam was love. Miriam was love. That's a good one right there. Harry had boxes. Mm. Love is what kept him alive. Miriam was love. That's a good review right there. Mm. There you go. Oh, yeah. I actually like the way that. um, I don't want to say why I like it because it'll be a spoiler. Hey, you know, you know, since since we cut our teeth in the collaborative environment of, of Marshall Mason and his circle repertory theater inspiration. That was a good collaborative effort right there. Thanks. I felt it too. Yeah, yeah. I felt it too. I'm honored. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. all right. Well, that is our final take. What a good time. Yeah. All yeah. right. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and give us five stars and a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives we have tens of listeners to create content for. Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Take Pod. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Final Take Pod. If you have questions, comments, want to just blow up our inbox, email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com and check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.